Yo. Yo, man. Hey. I just picked a tick off my fucking dog. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I'm going to kill it. Yeah, kill it. Ooh, it's, I love it when they snap when you get them. Oh, I've never done that. Oh, yeah, you hit them with like a, like a pencil end, you know? Wow. You explode. Like a, this kind of a thing, you know? Yep. Dowel. And then you hit them and they go, pop. <laughs> All the blood, right? Oh, you know you got them. Damn. Fuck, that was... Um, See? Wow, that was good uh, Good catching that one. Well, it's good because they, they somehow seem to like the white of her, of her fur better than the black. Oh, wow. So when they start crawling on the white, you see them, you know. Anyways, we didn't we didn't come here to talk about ticks, but ticks. Anyways, so what I'm thinking is we'll have all these guys. Let me do a little intro about what why we're doing this, and of course, it's our sixth fucking anniversary. Is it six years? It's six years, not seven. No, it just seems like seven, <laughs> <laughs> and it's not five. It's 2006, uh, 16 when we started. Fuck! If we could just take all that back. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, you can. You can just hit delete and we can get it off the web. Never happened. <laughs> we can. <laughs> uh, we've probably destroyed many lives. You know, well, or Podcast. at least marriages. Marriages, lives. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder how many people have actually taken up guitar and how many people actually quit guitar because of this podcast. Uh, I bet none. I know. I, I, think, I think people who find us are too far gone to quit. <laughs> and, and I'm totally overvaluing this uh, podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> Scott, on the other hand, might have been able to have done that. Is um, I, I, yeah, you sent you sent me an email with with Richard, so Richard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so, I just sent him an email. Oh, good. Um, good. So he's wow, ready. This he's, is um, this yeah, is, it's been a while between um. Between hangs on Guitar Wank. Yeah, yeah, we're not starting yet, are we? Do well. Why not? Uh, oh well, let's say start or something. Say start. <laughs> uh, start. Okay. <laughs> How are you, Troy? Oh my God, I haven't seen you forever. At least like five minutes. Hey, I survived COVID. Did you did you get it? Yeah, I remember back in November. Well, that was a long time ago. Of course you survived. Yeah, I know. But you know what? I think I had like two comments like, geez, I hope Troy's okay. And that was it. <laughs> no one bothered to check in. You didn't I have, have I hope he buried. dies. Right? Was did that? You make me, I hope he dies. No. Oh, well, I probably did. I just ignored it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we got Richard McDonald ready to go. Do you want to bring him in? Let's bring him in, man. All right. Here Let's we go. Here we go. He might, he might, he might decide not to show his face, but it's okay. You that's know? A, yeah, that's all right. I don't blame him. I wouldn't show mine <laughs> except for, I don't know how to turn it off. <laughs> Richard, you there? I am there. How are you? Hey, hey man, how are ya? Did you? you didn't, I don't want to be on video because I look like a bucket of crushed assholes right now. 
<laughs> can, you, can you see us? <laughs> oh, I guess my comfort level just went up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you can tell straight off the bat that Richard's been on this show before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I miss you guys. How you been? Good, Where man. You How are you? Unbelievable. Yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm uh, staying super busy and, and uh, you know, Bruce, I behave a lot like your students. You know, I, I sit around the evening and think about, you know, be diminished over G7 and stuff and, <laughs> oh, <laughs> and you know, guitar stuff. I love it. Yeah, you know what I mean? And then I got, you know, the advisory business I do, which is kind of fresh for me because I don't have any music clients. <laughs> it's really oh, awesome. Wow. What yeah. business? Oh, it's just, it's, uh, I'm part of an advisory group. Uh, and I, I do strategic planning for companies. So I've got medical research companies and I do have a vinyl record company, BMP. Have you ever heard of those guys? BMP, vinyl yeah. me, please. Yeah. yeah. Really cool. Very, very cool company. Get a, get a chance to work, to work with them. Um, uh, Amazon resellers. There's a lot of those. And so, you know, just wow. inspiration, perspective, tools, business stuff I picked up along the way. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's, I think it's like he's gone up a level. Some of that, you know? Uh, sometime I'd love to tell you that story because if you would have told me in 18 when I retired uh, from Fender that, you know, that I would have this kind of synthesis of perspectives. I mean, I wrote a book. I, I went on this, you know, kind of keynote spree before uh, COVID hit and that. And so, um, it just, it was a very interesting time and a lot of all of the operational experience that I had had you know, through my 30 years, you know, it, it, it all kind of came into focus and, and uh, it took me in a completely different direction. Right. So for just, just to help those who are listening and didn't hear your original uh, episode, which don't they, know who you are, Richard they should go back and listen. And basically ran Fender for... You say 30 years? Well, no, my, I was there 26, uh, but I was a touring musician and that for a decade before that and a Fender endorsed artist. And so I was part of the family and certainly the fabric, right, of, of that sort of belief system. Uh, I was the executive vice president of Fender. I held the P&L for the company and I was uh, the chief uh, product strategist. As well, I served five CEOs, <laughs> wow. uh, and, and uh, from Bill Schultz all, all the way through to Andy Mooney, uh -huh. and uh, and it remains uh, one of the most one of the greatest privileges of my life. It was just an unbelievable journey, and a lot of it has to do with you know what we will talk about this evening a bit, you know, because without that. Uh, Without that foundation of, of unbelievably passionate, you know, great guitar-oriented people, music people, I just it's Fender is a is a really cool, really cool story. From in my life, I'm sure there's people that thought it sucked, but <laughs> for me, it was, it was, know, it was mean, unbelievable. Yeah, I just wanted to know, and and through that, through the evolution of you as a, a touring musician, obviously musician with challenges because we all have them and then going, oh, yeah, yeah. going into we talked about that and learning <laughs> yeah. and we did talk about that and learn we can learning all the skills of business and kind of educating yourself you kind of reach this place and then and so then you leave fender and your next journey becomes sort of a synthesis of 
yet even all of that experience is what I'm hearing. You know, and of course, exactly. we've been out of touch since you left LA and left Fender, really. Yeah. Yeah, that's you just you just nailed it. That's exactly what happened. And you know, I it's I'll t- and I'll tell you the genesis because it's pretty interesting. I, I found it interesting anyway. <laughs> uh, I was asked to write retirement speech, and so they they came at me and said, "Hey, okay, you know, we're having a party in L.A. and one in Phoenix, and and you know, you got to say something. So tell us about you know the coolest product. Tell us about the." you know, the artist, you know, clapped and this, that, you know, just, and so I sat down to write that speech. And uh, frankly, at, at the end of all the consideration, you know, none of that stuff really stood out, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. I mean, I had the, the privilege of working with these people that, you know, we created some world-class products. I mean, uh, met some of most of my guitar playing you know, heroes and, and all those kind of things. And, and, um, and here we were at the end of the day, uh, when I thought about what really stood out, it ended up being kind of the people and the teams and, and what we did together. And that was the epiphany. And that led me to write the book, which is uh, rock is called rock your gig and get promoted. <laughs> and it's really a career uh, progression, career strategy type of type of book. But uh, my experience at Fender just it synthesized over a two-year period, and it ended up being uh, a much higher-level operational view about people and processes, and why we were successful and why we failed. Wow! Now, just I just looked up, Richard. You were on Guitar Wank episode ninety-five and ninety-six. <laughs> oh, wow! And we are up to, um, I think we're over 250 episodes now. So it was a little ways. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And you're in Nashville now. I'm actually back in Los Angeles at the moment, but I head back to Nashville on Friday. Yeah. And how's your beautiful family? Everyone's great. We're um, we're doing good. I'm I'm very blessed. We're all doing great. And we've got through the COVID. I've been the the only one who got it. So, uh, yeah, I have it right. I'm coming out the other side of it right now. Oh, I've been wow. sick for about 10 days. It kicked my ass, I'll be honest. Damn. <laughs> Damn. And that's you know, coming from a guy that did chemotherapy for 16 months. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it still sucks. Yeah, yeah it sucks, right? Did, now, did you, is it, do you know if it's Omnicron or is it, what is it? No, now? because I, I, um, I, you know, at, at a point, my whole family is, writhing on the floor and stuff it doesn't matter to me and right. i wasn't going to run out and do anything we're more like laying the dirt and pray yeah, right. <laughs> you know, type of people so you know what i mean uh wow. so no we just really uh, kept ourselves isolated and uh but we we were sick as hell the kids got uh over it in about four days uh lisa has is now feeling better but um and then i i lagged behind there a bit so but I'm I'm up, yeah. You're doing okay. You you get. Oh, I'm awesome. Yeah, I'm awesome. Everything's you know good or good or bad or hard or easy by comparison, right? And so, uh, you know, this feels similar to some other experiences I've had. <laughs> and and like you said, you went through how long chemo? I did 16 months of chemo. And you and you kicked the big C. Yeah, yeah, in good. my brain. Wow. <laughs> Fucking hell. Uh, I know, man. And here I sit. And I think we talked about, it. I don't know if we talked about it or not, but I had to learn to read again. And I lost all the vision on the right side, um, uh, you know, the field of vision, uh, not just because some of the stuff they, they had to take out, but 
that and I did radiation for about six weeks every day. Um, yeah. That's yeah. heavy shit, man. That's that's yeah, <laughs> fucking Wow. I know. Wow. Take you right out to the edge with that shit. I'll tell you right now. Oh and you're God. just kind of sitting there, you know, with drool running out of your thing. And yeah, so not not a pleasant thought, but you know, you get past that uh, thing, and it, it was just a life changing thing. And I think that's what we talked about. You know, it's yeah. like, and and really, this was part of the um, this was part of the the kind of renaissance that I had. It was just like, oh my gosh, I. I when I think about it, this concept of reinvention uh, has been at the genesis of like every single like intersection uh, where anything just super cool happened in my life. And so I thought about, oh man, I went from a drug addict to a touring guitar player, you know, to a to an entry level guy. I was promoted ten times in twenty years at Fender, and ended up, you know, in the C suite of a multinational company that I love since I was. 12 wow <laughs> you know, it's like i don't give a shit if if people hate the brand like, i i just have to tell you it defined a life dream for me and when i got past it and through it i realized uh it was reinvention that made the company successful fender is kicking butt the yeah. digital strategy all the stuff that that um the team has done over the years the focus on quality and understanding artists' needs and 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 those things. It's all just paid incredible dividends, and I'm super proud of it. And when I look back on it, that's where I get to see all these opportunities. The people that I thought had all the capabilities, but why didn't they? Why didn't they translate? And 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 why were the last people standing? Why were they there? And and so these were a lot of really big realizations and then all this stuff is ends up being like universal truths as it turns out in business so it, it's taken me on a completely different journey wow a couple of things richard um we, we've got a good friend carl now works at fender and he just raves about working there um and i also ran into jerry brasler a little while back oh, one of my favorite and the day we hired him I, after knowing him for most of my adult life <laughs> i was so happy I, I was so happy. <laughs> I've got to get him on the show because I just he's, and, and I, I I can say that about oh at least half a dozen of the students I've had at USC in the guitar department are are deeply involved in the whole digital experience of Fender, you know, and and helping the role out of that, whether it be teaching, demonstrating, product development. You know, I, I know some of them actually. Yes, I'm, sure I'm thinking. I'm, sure I'm thinking do. of a couple of, of really fine players that came out of your camp that right. created most of the learning videos for us initially. Exactly. You know, so wow. it's really That's a wonderful. Uh, you know, and I mean, I, mean, I just remember finally we, Richard and I would have lunch together. You know, like every other week or every week, and it was just like really great to hear what was happening and it was just you know really a vibrant thing you know and of course you had moved from arizona into la the jaws of the beast you know and <laughs> I know. the company there right you're the one that actually moved the company from yes uh, yeah to la which, which after i uh yeah. So we had picked this location with our interim, uh, Scott Gilbertson, who had come from TPG while we were in the CEO search for, year, gosh, two and a half years or something like that. And um, uh, we found the location 
right there on Gower and Sunset, right, which is such right. a great location because it used to be. Uh, I'm looking. I'm actually looking at a poster on my wall right now that just has the whole CBS radio. Yeah. Again. Remember the remember the the drive through. It, it had like a, a spin through drive driveway in that building. Anyway, uh, it's just an iconic memory, and to be able to put the Fender building to set it right there, That's it was awesome. just too good to be true, right? <laughs> so. Yeah, I tipped over. <laughs> Andy called me at home. I said, Andy, geez, wow, you know, here I am. I'm 18 hours later, you know, I had brain surgery and I'm sitting there and he says, you know, with a Scottish accent and stuff, you know, well, do you want, still want to go to, you know, Los Angeles? I'm like, oh, hell yes, let's go, let's get it up, you know? And so, yeah, so I packed up and, and, I, and I did everything I can, could to convince the people that I knew that I needed to take over there for that thing to work. And I, and I was able to do it and, and then bring people like Joey Brasler in as well and supplement, you know, Justin Norvell and Mike Lewis and all these, you know, every, you know, continuum from legendary dudes, you know, you know, down to next gen, uh, you know, leadership of the company. So it just, it was an incredible experience and LA was fantastic uh, for Fender to come home to California was 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 just exactly what it needed. Yeah. Hey, where do we get your book, Richard? For all our oh, everywhere. Yeah, it's out there everywhere. Wherever you like to buy books, online. <laughs> there's an the ebook. And there's one the, more time. The title is "Rock Your Gig and Get Promoted: Career oh. Growth Strategies." Rich McDonald, and okay. it's available everywhere. Online. Love it. Um, I want to check it out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's yeah, yeah, it's not a fender tell all. It's a it's a career thing, but it, but certainly I had so many great experiences there that taught me different offer different perspectives that I do share do share. Yeah, yeah what I a mean, journey! It's, it's just so cool, you know. I mean, the, you know the, the the cliche of of us artist types, you know, is being like, oh yeah, they're good at you know, you know, good at playing and good at you know making the gig late and they're you know what i mean and they're, <laughs> and they're and they're good at you know kind of like uh their you know impetuous lifestyles and stuff good but news. in my in my opinion you know and, and you can you can i would love it if you would elaborate it on so many of the skills that we exhibit and that we de develop as musicians just from gigging and, and working our way through the music world are actually extremely valuable skills in the business world. If we just take care of business, um, you know, I, mean, I, I believe that fully, you know, and I, I think I've proven it. I mean, I ran a nonprofit myself that was very successful, you know, that I'd founded. I just find that, you know, the ability to work with people, to be agile and understand the marketplace as it, evolves and be the first guy where it needs to be, you know, to be um, able to work in groups and see the evolving, changing minefield, you know, and how to navigate it. To me, those are specifically music skills. And it's so funny how the business world has just such a bad attitude about the artist type, you know what I mean? Uh, and, you nailed yeah. it right on the head because what, you know, in, into my, the vocabulary that I've kind of created for my, myself these days is, you know, that, that 
you know, and that's a com it's common, but it's that interpersonal IQ because you don't, you know, you, you, you don't in, in a band environment, in a musical environment, it's the most highly collaborative, uh, sensitive, it's just unbelievable. And so you're able to step outside of your comfort zone and meet others as they step, you know, toward this, this, this essence that you guys are trying to create. Well, if you can manifest that in business, then you have an unbelievably powerful, passionate tool. And, and so the problem is, is, and this is, this is actually, I think this is the mechanic that I saw at CBS. You didn't have the guitar players, the passion, and they didn't, they didn't have that interpersonal um, effectiveness with the customer because they had no authenticity, right? So if you're not authentic, you know, you can't, you know, nobody's going to relate to you if, if you're not for real these days, thank goodness, right? And so it just didn't work. And then when, when Bill made the move out and he promptly put Dan Smith in place and gave him the ability to say yes, no, and maybe. And, and then that doctrine just kept going with everybody else, myself, Mike Lewis, Mike Eldred, all these people. It was just like, you know, it's, it's okay to say stop because that is not cool. <laughs> you know, that's just not, no, we've, we, you know, value engineering, yeah, to a point, but no, <laughs> you know, it's like, and so I think they created this, this, uh, so, but the problem is today to work at a company like Fender, you have to have a pretty sophisticated business perspective or you're just not going to, you're just not going to sit at the big boy's table. Uh -huh. You know, so you have to educate yourself. You have to, you have, you have the part that dismantles most of the, most of the people, which is the interpersonal effectiveness to, to get along in a team environment and build something special together to focus together on a bigger agenda than your own shit. Right. right. That part is, is the hardest part to cultivate, but then you still have to um, have some instinct and business mechanics uh, as well. And so you have to educate yourself. You have yeah. to pursue uh, an elevated um, uh, perspective and, and ability to share, you know, uh, more sophisticated ideas and solutions with, with people and, and influence them <laughs> to, to do it, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, and, and, and yet that's in, in many, that's it to me, you just also defined what a, a great musician has to do every day, you know, continually educate yourself, be yes. open to the way things are working, you know yes. what I mean? Understand yes. the, the, the actual environment you're working in, you know what I mean? I mean? Know the history of the way it got there so that you, you can understand the natural reactions. Yes. And, and today happen. there's those, these truths flow underneath all the stuff, but what happens today is stuff is very fast and, and things uh, things evolve and we we're operating, we find ourselves in this era of specialization, Bruce, where it's just, it's like everything is very fragmented and, and you go, you know, when you and I used to go to, to uh, the store with, with our folks, it was like the pet food section was, you know, well, there was a feed store where you and I live, but still, if we went to a grocery store, there was a, there was a you know, maybe a couple meters of, of dog food, cat food collars, you know, some scary, like neurologically disturbing tick flea products. That was it. 
Today, that's a 20,000 square foot, you know, building and there's five of them in, in every metropolis. You know, it's, it's just, yeah. it's, everything is very, very, very fragmented. And so, you know, the music industry is full of a lot of cottage industries and that, but if you're going to consolidate, if you're going to really kind of move, uh, if you're going to elevate, then there's a much greater uh, need to, uh, to sustain relevance, which is moving really fast. You gotta, you gotta, technological relevance, social relevance, um, you know, just customers need to see you as the authentic real thing. And to do that, you got to keep up. Yeah. Right. Well, that's- well, Bruce, do you want to um, sort of tell us what we, we contacted? Yeah. Well, you okay, contacted yeah. Richard. Give, give the people the rundown on what we're doing here. I, I got to say that I'm, I'm just caught up in, you know, in – <laughs> reuniting with a friend that I haven't I seen in years, you know. Thank you. Uh, but, but yes, uh, the reason I contacted Richard and have contacted a number of other people is as we start our sixth anniversary year of Guitar Wank here, wow. um, we have lost a great force in our music. Uh, a person who I've talked about a bunch on this show and a person who literally changed the world. No, no. I mean, I know that's you know, that those that sometimes is a lofty thing to say. In this case, I, I, it's not hyperbole. That is actual underselling. Um, Alexander, once known as Howard Dumble, uh, passed away this past week, a few days ago, and um, and I can say, you know, he he created, he brought beautiful sounds to the world. He created the world of the, uh, I guess, boutique amp, I guess you would call it. The guy who, you know, made handmade amps for musicians and kind of when there, when there was Fender, Vox and Marshall and all those great amps that, that of course created history of music. Um, there was another guy there kind of trying to figure out how to make them work better for certain people and had a vision for something else, which created an entire ecosystem or environment mm-hmm. of, of not just music, but economy, you know, for, for people who were boutique camp builders. And, and with that brilliant, that, that brilliant man with brilliant ears and incredible energy, there was a lot of eccentricity. And, and, and it's so funny that, you know, this man who, who I know very intimately and I'm grateful to have spent the time I did with him. Um, it can be, he could be compared to Einstein in one moment and the soup Nazi in the next. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well said, my friend, well said. The level of, of, of <laughs> and, and a lot of it was because of his eccentricity and his, his, lack of willingness to be engaged in the public sphere. You know, he was very inclusive and exclusive, actually, is the better word. Um, And what I want to do in paying tribute to this man, due to all the hyperbole and mythology that's around, I'd love to dedicate this first part of our sixth year to people who knew him and to tell stories about him so that we can all paint a picture of this guy that we really need to know who the man was. And maybe through all of our stories combined, somebody who never knew him will have an understanding of who Howard Alexander Dumble 
was oh, and what he brought that. to us. Mm-hmm. And, and that's my goal with Richard going lead off and, and through these next groups of podcasts we do is to just sort of share with the world a picture of a man who chose to be exclusive and, and there's a lot of stories that I'm sure I will eventually tell, and I'm hoping Richard will tell, that we didn't maybe want to tell until after he was gone due to respect of his privacy and due to respect of, you know, just our friendship yeah. with him. That's, that's a fact. Okay. That's a okay. Fact. So that I'm kind of like, I'm not asking <laughs> you to go any further no. than your sensibility allows, but no. let's talk about... But for um, just... Bruce, what a privilege, first of all. What a privilege. <laughs> we, just to be clear, we tried, well, Bruce tried really hard to get him on guitar, Wayne, because we so wanted to, to hear his story. And I mean, how amazing would that have been to hear it from oh, yeah. the horse? But he would tell you that he was going to do it. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he never going yeah. to do it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but I, like Bruce said, I mean, I mean, Bruce would come back and tell me stories and, and share his intimate times with, with Dumble. And um, this is probably the closest, well, it's going to be the closest we'll ever get for people like me that never got to meet him or anything. And um, we've, you know, great stories that we're going to hear about the man. So I'm, ex- I'm super excited about this. So, uh, so we're just going to well, hand it to you, Richard. And go okay. ahead. You know, well, first of all, thank thank you. And um, yes, I I consider um, Alexander uh, to to be you know the genius of our of our time. And but but it's a really misunderstood. So I want to. I'll just tell you the the quick story. First of all, how does a a guy like me end up you know in, in the I'm, I'm looking to my right night right now and my Tweedledee <laughs> sitting here, which is easily the greatest amplifier that I ever could have even imagined owning for, for what I do, you know, and, and here it sits right here next to me as we speak with the hand-drawn tag uh, and everything made for Mr. Richard McDonald. He's just, this is unbelievable. So how did I end up in that situation? Well, of course, because Fender is the legacy, you know, the Fender is the foundation, you know, there's, you can talk to just about anybody and they can I, I, I themselves all through the story, but it's bullshit. It's like Fender is the key that unlocks all these doors. And so the journey started for me um, as the amplifier guy at Fender. I was uh, promoted um, into the position of marketing director for the, the Fender amplification line. And um, at that time, Dan Smith and I worked together and um, Dan was with John English and Chris Fleming, who is somebody you should certainly uh, speak to because Chris shared a real passion for the really quirky, weird shit amps that (laughs) that Alexander, I mean, they would come up with this, you know, Orange County swap meet shit that was just incredible. Chris Fleming is definitely a guy to to, uh, so to share some, some feelings if he's comfortable doing it. Anyways, uh, so the journey for, for me was uh, John English and these guys, they're taking, they're Mike Eldred, they're taking, you know, two pro juniors and sticking them in a custom cabinet. And, you know, we're, we're doing all those moto amps and guitars and things like that. And so by the time I'm coming into it, and I'm thinking, well, you know, what's the next level of, of this? And, you know, Mike Lewis and I were, 
we're talking, we had all the nice custom cabinets, like the Bobinga re reproductions. I'm looking at one right now, 46 Pro. Uh, it's, it, you know, it's a beautiful red <laughs> cloth and gold trim. It's just a be you know, beautiful products, but they all had the same circuits in them. They, they, they were the one size fits all Pro Junior, Blues Junior, whatever, whatever they were. And I was looking to do something special. So we had this idea, let's do an amp custom shop. And, and I'm not talking about cabinets and pretty stuff. I'm talking about, you know, component kits, kidding, you know, that, that is that, you know, that we can generalize kind of toward, you know, stylistic things. Mike Lewis at the time was, was building a lot of amps at home. Mike currently runs the custom shop from, from the product. Uh, you know, he's the merchant of the custom shop, the guy that, that, designs the guitars there and um or leads the team what whatever i mean it's a huge team but mike is the guy no question about that <laughs> and uh he he was finding that sourcing all these you know kind of reissue electrolytic you know we a lot of cool caps and stuff that just you know people like us were just like <laughs> you know it's like look at these caps you know <laughs> it's like, wow. and so, yeah and he was like let's make these gretch amps so we made some gretch amps and stuff but then i i i thought you know can we let's let's do really a mod shop we had the mod shop idea going let's do amps too not just really cool boxes but let's let's get in there then that idea quickly, I, I, I shared that idea with Larry Thomas. And I, I got to tell you right now, you know, Larry Thomas, he and I may have had kind of a contentious relationship, but I, I will defend his passion and um, his heart and his love, absolute love of all this shit. I mean, he just, he's just, he's just as crazy as everybody else was about it. Um, he's just a lot more successful than most of us, right? Anyways, he, he's like, I think that's a great idea. What if we could get Dumble to do it? I'm like, I, you know, he, he never will, but could it, could it be more fun than to try to see if he would? <laughs> you know? And, um, and, um, and so, uh, so he, Larry agreed, uh, agreed with me that we could pursue this. So he and I actually, uh, the first time I walked uh, to the Ranchero there <laughs> and uh, waited outside for the gate to open, uh, you know, uh, was with Larry Thomas. And um, our idea was to see if, if he might like to um I, I was pitching him look alexander here's a revenue stream passive buddy you don't have to do anything give me two or three different mods that you that you feel are are essential um to just wake an amp up you know we're at this point the reason this idea even came to my mind is now i've got all the amps over over my tenure i moved them back in, into their hand-wired amps right so now I can fuck with them, right? <laughs> and so, um, and so, but now I I got I got handwired amps. I can I can take over to him and say, hey, mod these. And and so, of course, as would be the case, um, you know, of course we're going to do this. Let's talk, you know, it's never going to happen, right? What um, what year is this, Richard? You know, I'm not good. I'm not good with that. Uh, what stuff. decade? <laughs> 2015. Oh, wow. Fairly recent. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Probably three, four years before I retired. Right. Yeah. Okay. And, um, and so, um, 
uh, you know, we talked and, 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 and of course it's, it's, it's Alexander and, 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 um, and he doesn't know who we are. He doesn't know who I am. He's been told I'm okay from Chris Fleming and a handful of other people, but he doesn't know me from shit. And so I, I walk in there and I've got all of these cold war ideals about this guy because i read guitar player magazine just like everybody else and you know sat around you know masturbating about the idea of having an incredible and it's like this guy was just you know well what i learned was that that was probably the biggest misunderstanding and and i'll I'll talk a little bit about that but the long and short of it is we spent hours and hours and hours and we'd come and go and do things. And I honor, once again, I'll, I'll honor Larry Thomas here. Larry had a genuine, what I, what, I, what I asserted was a genuine love for Alexander, to be perfectly frank and honest. I feel like he really, he, he cared about him. We, we saw his health. I mean, I can take you through those whole stories. I went to the EPA. Uh, uh, with hydrocarbon, you know, reporting and stuff that he was gathering at his home from the leaf blowers and stuff like that. I mean, I, I cared about this guy and, and, and every time that I went to do something like that, or that, and Larry did many things for, for this guy and in, in his humbleness will never uh, share, I, I would imagine, but I'll tell you what, he did a lot of really kind things for him. And, and, uh, you know, as we, these conversations progressed and progressed and we fell in love with each other is what happened and we spent more time playing guitars and looking at shit than talking about business and then once i realized that there was you know i told him actually this is the quote i said alexander i can't back an el camino full of gold up because <laughs> this dude's completely off the grid he's completely off the grid he doesn't exist okay you can't do business with people like that but i got lawyers you know, Larry's going, go ahead, try. You know, I got the I got the Fender legal team. How can I like do a deal with this guy who doesn't exist? Right. Because I, I wanted to I wanted to do it for him. I also wanted to advance, you know, the Fender legacy, you know, through through him sharing of his, you know, special, special gifts. But you know, there it was never going to happen for a reason because because Every single amplifier that Alexander made in his life was different. And it was specifically made to do a specific thing. And this is the, really the root of the, the problem with the false PR on, oh, you got to audition for him. And I sent him a tape and, you know, and he didn't. Yes, he was eccentric. Yes, he, he didn't like to leave his place. And yes, he was every his house was you could barely navigate his house and i say this with the greatest honor because i loved alexander dumble i loved him and and he was a very unique individual and his whole essence his whole being was what he did so every square inch of his home every conversation every the sink the counter the bathroom the thing everything was was his world of resistors components amplifiers cabinets chassis transformers speakers guitars all those things and if 
Alexander ask you, he wasn't, you weren't auditioning. <laughs> Bruce, you've been through this process. Yeah, no, you're you're not auditioning for him. He's trying to figure out how the hell to bring what you want to, to, to life. And he can't do that if he doesn't know what you do. How, what, what's your attack? How fast do you play? You know, you know, what type of pick do you use? What's your gear? What do you, you know, the whole thing. And then he would go back and make the most highly personalized product uh, that you could imagine. Even this, this Tweedledee right here is the product of me playing guitar for him for hours, hours. Now let's see what it sounds like with a 70s reverse Firebird. <laughs> you know, it's like he was just insatiable. And, I, and that got misunderstood. And it got misunderstood as that, plus he's very eccentric. Get, let's be, uh, that's real. But uh, that got misunderstood and misconstrued as like, are you good enough for me to make an app? No, it's like, can I help you? Because I, if I can't help you, I, I don't want to waste your time or mine. Right. Yeah. Wow. Right. What so beautifully put. So beautifully put, you know. What, Richard, but, but it did awesome. feel originally like an audition, you know, nonetheless. But it was like, <laughs> it, was yes. of, it, was, yes. it was because of the mythology. As soon as I got there and played, he couldn't have been more welcoming. It's like once you got to the point where you were auditioning, oh you'd gosh. already actually passed. Oh my gosh. And it just was such a pleasure, wasn't it? And yeah. then you just, it was just waiting at that point. But I mean, for me, it was literally, he was so, he was such a passionate guitar player. I don't know if people even realize that. I guess you could actually, I guess people today might think that, you know, you can make great amps and not be a guitar player. But this, this dude was a voracious student. And if I sat down and played something and he thought it was interesting, he would make me stop, which didn't happen that that often but honestly a couple of times it's like what are you doing what is that what do you you know have you ever seen this turnaround check this out. you know it's just like uh it just it was just that guitar total uh immersion immersion and then you know there's like like i said there's the epa stuff and there's you know there was uh, some incredible times that we spent together because he had a lot of a lot of um health issues that I, I believe they were very, very real, but possibly mis, misdiagnosed or whatever. But wow, yeah. when, did, when did you get your that amp? Uh, I wonder if it says on there. It might, you know, he would make these nice little hand hand tags um, around that same time. He would call. He would call and say, "Can I get a couple of?" Oh, Vibro, um, Vibrolux chassis, you know, could I need, you know, Eric Clapton's coming or Peter Frampton was just here and, blah, blah, you know, and can you send me a couple of chassis? And I had budgeted uh, because I was trying to get this custom. I was trying to elevate the whole Fender amp thing, even though it's it's legendary thing. It's not that easy to push that kind of stuff up, but I knew there was a way to do it. And Alexander was, was, any, anything that he could touch with it would 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 have just a, an, an unbelievable impact, right? Um, when I still thought that that was actually going to happen. Yeah. But what, what really happened was he changed my life. So, you know, the whole thing was just the weirdest, most incredible journey ever, for sure. But he, uh, uh, he would, uh, so we just, man, I was shipping amps over there. Shane Nicholas, who's still... Um, 
uh, manning the, the Fender Electronics um, amplification division uh, with me. I played with him in the Halo Flies uh, Alice Cooper thing that we did with Alice Cooper, which was great. I don't even know if I shared that. that I, we, I did an yeah. Alice Cooper cover band with Alice. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> Anyway, Shane, Shane's still there doing the app. So uh, we would give him a lot of uh, products. And then one day, um, you know, a box came and, and it was that amp. Wow. And I said, dude, come on, you know. And he was just like, no, I think, I think you're going to like it. I'm like, <laughs> I think you're going to like it, right? And so, uh, and so I plugged it in. and. Um, I, there was a Gretsch guitar in my office at the time, and I don't play Gretsch guitars. I, I can't do the jingly jangly thing with them, but the, I plugged it in and I turned it up and I thought I was Pete Townsend for half a second. <laughs> I was just like, oh my God, this is the who's next record. This is amp. I had never, I played at his house. I played every, I played his first screamers, his steel, his great steel amp, all that stuff. I'd played so many of those products really, really loud too. He like, like he was, he knew that, it, you know, they wake up at seven and get really interesting around nine. You know? it's yeah. like, and, uh, and I just never in my fantasies. And I, if I understand correctly, I think what he did was he actually made Larry and I both won kind of at the end just to say thank you for spending the time with me <laughs> wow so richard what what exactly is that amp that you have it's a tweedledee right what That's is correct. what is a tweedledee i got no idea oh okay. yeah, yeah oh okay it's a it's a tweet deluxe should i put this thing on does the video work or if i touch well, it or... we'll, we'll see it but we're recording anyways it's a tweet deluxe uh hand wired tweet deluxe and um it's got a uh and then he just goes in there and replaces all the caps and all that stuff. And what happens is it just uh, becomes unbelievably harmonically complex. The, the sound, um, the sound out of this amp swirls all through the room. If you close your eyes, it's hard to tell where it's coming from. And uh, it, it has what I would was, was always searching for was that swirl, which we could get sometimes in the in the uh, vibra verbs and some different amps really seem to create this, you know, crazy effect. And, you know, two hours also learning that sometimes Leo, you know, put the speakers, you know, reverse polarity backwards and stuff too. And that had some, you know, they were sucking and pushing at the same time and stuff. Uh, but this amp is, is uh, a common mod that he would, uh, uh, make, uh, but again, you know, personalized to to the way you play. But it's called a Tweedledee, and it's a Tweed Deluxe. Yeah, right. Wow. His, his 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 as far as I know, I mean, the ones I know about. I mean, because in my my amp, I've got the Ultraphonics, which which is in his mind the ultimate blackface mod. Yes, that's the blackface mod. Yeah, there's the Rockphonics, which is sort of like a early blackface kind of lack of tone stack for a better i don't know it's just like no that's like, it that's it it's all the position of the tone stack before and after right, yeah. right. okay well good because i mean you're talking to a jazz guy who knows nothing okay and then and there's a tweedledee which is the tweed mod and then he has another one that he made called the purple haze which was the marshall mod yes that, that i know that there's a couple people that have those those are the four mods mod yes 
modification amps that he made that I know of. There are probably more. And then there, of course, is his classic amps, which were the Overdrive Special and the Steel String Singer. Which is just uh, un- unbelievable. And that's where the, you know, the pricing and everything, all the craziness uh, occurs yeah. there. And that's also where some of Alexander's, you know, kind of classic craziness comes out too, where you know, he calls like, calls like John Marin, who just bought one of his amps on the market somewhere and told him, right. that's my app, give it back to me. <laughs> right, right. Well, and John's like, uh, you're, you're just crazy. Isn't that sexy to me? <laughs> you know, right, so. right, exactly. <laughs> you know, but I mean, in, a, in another, you know, alternative world of morality, let's say, I mean, that is sort of like intellectual property. You know what I mean? In, you know, yeah, I got it. When, I mean, I, when he sold me his, the amp, you know, I knew very well what I was buying. Um, it was made for me. If it ever needed to be fixed, he had to do it. I couldn't show anybody, you know, the amp, at least to the point where they could pull the chassis out. And look oh, my, mine is, I think, like most is, mine is like, there's so much epoxy, you know. Every, oh, yeah, but, but oh, still, you know, I mean, that can easily be removed, you know. Yeah. I mean, he had to make it so he could remove it in case he had to fix it, you know. <laughs> so, I mean, but my point is, that was his way of kind of like he was kind of living on luck and a prayer that we would all have ethics, you know. And of course, some guy comes along and decides to sell an amp to John Mayer or Carlos Santana or Joe Bonamassa or whoever. And they're, the first thing they're going to do is go out and like, I'm not going to bring this amp on the road, I don't want to break it, I'm going to get somebody to copy it, and then I'll, you know, whatever. And I bought it fair and square. and it's in in the world of intellectual property it's sort of an ethical moral question that it's sort of crazy for him to consider that he could actually somehow contain that secret well that's of, been of a, capacitors I, and wires uh, you know yeah and that that wasn't you know what i think at that level that is is true but the real problem was and and this is and 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 I don't like it. I, I'm not a fan of it. I spent hours. I spent hours and hours and hours on the phone with him. You know, twenty minutes at a time, yeah. uh, because his name it was being just you know would hoard out to anybody and everybody that thought that they understood what he did, and right. so they, you know, the whole this whole industry this whole sub electronics industry a bunch of those people are have zero creativity they have they don't have an original bone in their body they they can't they can't you know they don't have an idea of their own they don't have a brand of their own and so what they have to do is they have to draft off of a guy like alexander yeah and so it's like yeah but i've got a dumbbell like product and this drove him as you could imagine and and i had great sympathy for because i was in charge of the fender ip so i'm sitting there being deposed every other day trying to defend our our ip from every tom dick and harry that wants to make a strat you know and and, uh uh so i told i have a lot of sympathy for it but it's it's like fingers and toes in the dam you're never never going to stop 
because you're you're betting on the ethics of humans, you know. <laughs> exactly. and, and that's a losing bet in my experience. <laughs> you're so, so Richard, so so basically, John Mayer called John Mayer couldn't get an app off him. He wouldn't build one for John. I don't know that, but I know that he acquired that's, one. That's and, a story I know. Yeah, and uh, he acquired one, and um, and Justin may have been sitting there with John actually when the phone conversation had because we, you know, we were. John was an interesting <laughs> time time through Fender, yeah. So yeah, um, and and you know the, the 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 rumored quote it was that you know it's like hey you know you're 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 crazy isn't that sexy to me and you know it's my amp and you know. I'll, whatever but um th but that's totally believable honestly i mean alexander would do that kind of shit i mean for sure they were his children <laughs> like, did, even though you paid him 50 grand <laughs> what did yeah what did alexander think of like you know because he would make these amps for people and you know that would obviously cost a lot of money but then hearing a dumble amp being sold for over 100k what is what was dumble's thought on that I can't. I can't uh, tell you. I, I, I really. I really can't tell you. And I never really, to be honest, I never. I never talked to him about it. I. I, I don't know if it was just omission or if I just thought it was inappropriate or. Right. I, I'm not too sure. I'm telling you. I mean, you, Bruce, you really opened this thing up, right? I mean, anybody that that had a friendship with this guy um, would never do what i'm doing right now on a podcast while he lived there was no it was like i wouldn't grow a mustache while bill schultz was alive because he didn't like facial hair you know what i mean it's like it's like i would i had so much respect and love and this guy was so misunderstood and he was and if you knew him and you understood how precious of an individual and a human he was then it was hard not to really fall in love and also want to protect him Wow. Exactly. I mean, I got, you know, perfect. That's perfect. You know, exactly the way I feel. Um, yeah, it, that's it. You, I mean, he, he was so gracious, so generous and warm and true. And you were, it was like, you, you were lucky to get to be involved with this guy and, you yeah. know, yeah, and he just yeah. had certain things that he wanted from you, which are really small things. You know, don't don't tell people this shit about me. Don't yeah. don't yes. don't show them this magic. This is my thing, and 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 yeah, it's just like yeah. we were lucky to know him. You know, I mean, and we're the ones left with the responsibility to let the world know really what he was about. You know, yeah, because I wonder really when you think about that legacy, I just, you know, nobody comes to mind. And also, you know, that's that product segment is is a diminishing is a diminishing segment in the marketplace. So it's, you know, the day of the loud amplifier is kind of a right. shift. Right. And um, and I do know also that, uh, you know. We think of Dumble, and of course, you know, from a business point of view, he could have been, you know, getting mailbox money from Fender, obviously. You know, all, oh, he, had yeah. was, all he had to do is show you guys how to make ultraphonics and rockphonics like my amp. And, you know, you guys could have been putting those suckers out like, you know, pancakes. And there was a dream. <laughs> the, world, the, world would have been, the world would have been full of great music. 
you know, and great products. And he wouldn't have had to struggle as much as oftentimes he did. And I know that you, amongst other people, were very generous with him and helped him. You know, we were not talking about a guy who, like, was counting, you know, was had stacks of dollars. He had stacks of speakers, stacks of resistors, stacks of amplifiers and wires. But he did not have stacks of gold or dollars. In his no, own. he no, he didn't, and, um, and he and lived an extraordinarily simple life. Numerous times, and you know, and thank you for that. You know, just the sheer generosity. You know that of spirit that friends do for each other. But I want to thank you for that. You know, well, th- thank you, and, and and that's an honor. And again, I I just have to reflect, you know, on Chris Fleming and Larry Thomas, and you know, th- you you know, it's never a it's never a you know party of one. It's and and all those people, they they, you know, they they saw they saw how special he was, and and in the end, everybody. He just won your respect over so quick uh, that it, it, it became simple. And I, it, it became easy to make decisions. And I probably knew after the first four hours, first few eight, ten hours of time with him that it was never going to happen. But by that point, um, what, we were, what we were sharing was had nothing to do with do with it honestly <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it just it was just friendship and it just went into all and i just i just he was the guy that you wanted to help but but i also know that that i think the reason that he really um you know i i don't i think part of why he had such a connectivity even though these people would purchase these amps you know the the people that you know Bruton and these guys that you know these steel players and stuff these guys um they had a special kinship with him and i i I think that it was almost it was it was almost i can't i can't express it i'm sorry i'm i'm having trouble with but it was like i know that that you're paying me for this amplifier and stuff but this is like our amplifier Right. It's like, I'm the guy that, that you use this amplifier and I build it and I'll take care of it and I'll nurture it for you. And I'll, and all that kind of, it, it wasn't like, Hey, thanks. Here's your amp. Hit the <laughs> it was right. like, he was connected to every freak damp he ever made. You know, he, he felt connected to it and he could speak to it. It wasn't like, Oh geez, I made the, it, it wasn't like that. It was like, he knew, he knew exactly what he made. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's a, another level of shit. Yeah. And, <laughs> oh, no. And Frampton and some why, of those guys. You, know, you, you look at the, at the world, you know, I mean, the world of, I mean, I guess what they call boutique amps now. I mean, I hate oh, that yeah. word, but. It's all, it's all from him. It's, it's all from right. Him. Right. I'm sorry. You cannot, you know, no, no oh. double, none of that shit. None. It's all. It's all and from I, him. And I, of course, come from the Bay Area, you know, where he grew up, and I've heard the stories from the older guys. So yeah, I used to be in a band with him. He used to take my amp, and he said he'd fix it, and he messed it all up. 
(laughs) I mean, you know, back when he was 17 or something, I I could make that thing sound better. Really cool. You know, right. And he tries some shit on it. And he's like, that thing never sounded good again. You know I mean? (laughs) mean, He was like 17 or something, you know what I mean? And that's, that's the story of humanity. You know, that's how we all evolve, you know, People yeah. like that, they're the torchbearers who, who carry us forward. Yeah, and such a such an iconic figure, but but again, you know, only the finest, only the the finest kind of uh, appetites um, are were even really aware of of that. And then for so many years, oh my gosh, for decades, right? For decades people knew who bob bradshaw was but they didn't know who howard was right it's like Uh, crazy it's crazy it's crazy and it was just the most acquired taste in the world and then one day you know you wake up but man it's like this guy lived the most simple life his home was a tiny rental home uh, and it was uh absolutely um difficult to navigate except to the couch uh, area where you could sit, <laughs> sit and play, right? Right? There's a couch oh, where you can sit and play guitar. Otherwise, yeah. it was very, very, it was turned sideways. Um, the kitchen, the bathrooms, all those places were all components. And, uh, and people would say, you know, I guess if, if I say that, you know, people are going to jump into this like hoarder thing, but it, it didn't feel like that to me. It actually didn't feel like that to me. It just like, I, I, I was like, I wish I could, I wish he had more room, you know, it's like, you know, he, he needs more room. He's not a hoarder. He needs a warehouse. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. I mean, it was all organized, but it was pack radish, oh, you know, to the gills. There's, wow. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, he called the music room, which was, as you know, the living room. And yeah, there was rarely enough room for more than me to sit on that because he yep. would sit on the chair across from you. Right. And you'd sit on the couch. There was, yeah. There was, I think, a fireplace in that room. Yes. But that was just basically boxed. It was packed and covered with stuff. Shit, you know, and it was, <laughs> I mean, it was just, and to get to the couch where I had my one seat, which was, I think about it, a three person couch, but you know, there was really only room for one person, you know, it was like navigating things. You walk in, there's a little room to the left where like there's a sink or something and like it's a bunch of right. shit. And it's like, it yeah. was, but it, you're right. It wasn't like, you know, newspapers from the last no it didn't feel dysfunctional to me it was, honestly it, was it just like, didn't just in a you know in a warehouse it was like a wizard in a in, it was like a wizard in his lair yeah. you know like an alchemist in his in his lab type of thing and he had every single little thing he needed you know and eye of root and every other damn thing you know and but it was all all amp amp stuff yeah. richard, richard who was did he ever talk about who was on his roster like who would who were the cats he was he was building amps for or working with or had worked with? Only only in the sense of the, the context of an authentic conversation, like you guys gotta go because Peter Frampton's coming over <laughs> or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> no. And the other only other context would be Edge was like, I want to make this. Clapton, I want to make him this. Can you send me these chassis? Can you send me this for this guy? It was all within the context. He, he um, 
he seemed guarded and um, he only said it, you know, to authenticate his, his need with me. Like, right. like he, if, if he thought he needed an, uh, an excuse, which he didn't, you know, he didn't need to tell me that he was making it for this guy or whatever. I would just give it to him. I didn't, I was not worried about that. And, uh, but he was very, you know, he would do that, but no, I, I never, I mean, no, this, this, it just, oh. it just was not about that for him. And he's like one of those people too. That's just, he was around these people. I mean, his whole career his whole life i mean by the time he was uh, gosh i don't want to i'm guessing like in his 30s he was people were 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 coming to him you know the most and it starts with the you know the the people that are the real tone crazy people the world they weren't the rock stars of the 70s and 80s and you know what i mean that that wasn't them yeah. and it was it was it was more more the really more sophisticated uh, players that were coming to him and a lot of them were 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 you know steel pedal steel players and lap steel players and yeah wow so yeah, I, 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 mean, I, yeah. I saw that eric eric johnson mentioned that he had oh um, yeah he had yeah. one of his amps and i guess um stevie ray vaughan was using the yes. steel stringer right Right, yeah. yes. Feel Street Stinger, yeah. Feel Street. But I, I've never seen Clapton using one, or maybe, um, but it sounds like Clapton probably had some. We were sending him uh, tweet amps. Oh, okay. We I were mean, sending modified tweet amps. A lot. You know, the weird thing about Alexander, okay, because you brought that up, is like so many times, you know, like you'll go into a studio to record and, you know, like, you're there the day after fucking Frank Zappa was there or, uh, or Eric Clapton was there or whatever, you know what I mean? It's just a studio thing. And like an engineer will say some bullshit thing. You're, you're in there just like trying to focus on your project and they throw oh, Pat Metheny was here. Oh, you know what I mean? Whatever you know, like, <laughs> here you are. You're just trying to fucking oh, make what's that guy, Scott Henderson. <laughs> right, right, right. Scott Henderson. There you go. And, and you know, you're just trying to make a fucking record. You know, you like stay on point and do your shit, you know, and great. You know, oh, now you're with some big star, so you don't have to work too hard because I'm just a fucking nothing. You know, that's what it ends up feeling like. Mm. Say that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I got to mm -hmm. say, you know, mm -hmm. if any engineers are here, don't talk about the cool projects you do. <laughs> when somebody goes in to record just make the person who's there feel important because you know, they're, they're like they're on the line at this moment you know what i mean don't remind them that they're nothing you know? <laughs> that's, that's generally a good business idea it is it's good instinct you know and so um alexander was maybe one of the only people of my over 50 years in this business that when he brought up the names of famous people, he never made me feel smaller than them. Mm. He always, it was just, they were people and you were people and he, you, you were in his family and he loved you all. And, you know, yeah, when you came in, you were, you were in the same club. You, you, know, you, you, were, you Bruce, you're in the same club. I mean, the, the day that he agreed to make that amplifier for you, um, yeah. He brought you into his family, and his family's got some <laughs> interesting, you know, high, high, high profile people. But to him, it's all just family. 
Right. I mean, I've, I've been playing with him and we're playing through some amps and talking. And he goes, oh, I choked Clapton this lick and he likes it. You know, what do you think of it? You know, <laughs> jam on it. You know what I mean? It's a, well, that's cool. And I'd say, well, what about this? You know, and oh, I like this, too. You know, I mean, it was just, you know, just a love fest of like it never felt like, oh, yeah, I know, you know, Clapton called. You got to leave now. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. you know, it's like I never we felt were... that with him. And no. No. And he was beyond that shit, you know, and, and that as much as as much as so much of the weird stuff you would you would almost like say it was insecurity, you know what I mean? On mm. the other hand, mm. he should respect to everybody, which is the ultimate op- opposite of that. Yeah, I just it's such a you're right. It's so it's a hard one to figure out, but I'll tell you what, he he was he was so not into, you know, he was so off the grid in, in his life and in, his, in, in all aspects of his life as well. So, you know, he didn't go to you. You went to him. Um, it was, it was a, and I don't care who you are. (laughs) It's like, I don't leave the ranchero. You know, it's like, I'm not going nowhere. Yeah. I'm not going nowhere. And if you want to spend time with me, that would be really cool, but I'm not going anywhere. Uh, but he never really, I, I, I think he was so eccentric. And so I don't think, I don't think he had the chops to be, you know, to be some kind of a high end douchebag. I don't think he, 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 he didn't have the wiring for it. It was just like, it was so humble and it was so uh, just about the amps, the product, the sound, the music, the amps, the products, the sound, the music. And then, Hey, could you send me one of these guitars? Cause he wanted to experience that, you know? And, and so through his, you know, through, that was our way of just honoring him it was it was my way anyway but i have to i have to imagine that if i was doing anything like that there were a dozen other uh like-minded individuals because fender's got them these days fender fender has people that that get it that um you know that that have the the real passion for what for what was going on at that time. I looked at my tag here uh, to Troy in 2013. 2013. May, wow. May 18. Tweedledee Deluxe Amplifier Special Edition 002. Wow. <laughs> and then it says OK by initials Alexander Howard Dumble. Damn. Damn. Yeah. And on the other side, it's all in very fancy. Yeah, script. I know. His labels are great. Yeah. <laughs> His labels are great. Yeah. I had I had files. I probably got rid of them uh, because I just, when I moved out of my office, I just brought everything. But I had all the files that, um, the, the hydrocarbon files that, that I had, um, that I had presented to Jeff Shook to try to get the EPA to, to do something about the, the, the uh, hydrocarbon problem at his house and he had built these brilliant uh he had built these mechanisms to measure hydrocarbon levels and he had these white buckets that had was well way beyond me but he had the science of it all figured out and they were all over his property and when the landscapers would come and fire up their gas blowers then he would switch on his hydrocarbon system measuring stuff and then he would call me and say i got these charts and and I would come get the charts and put them in a, put them in a folder. And then imagine the conversation, right? So I got these engineers in Corona. 
Yeah. And, uh, and we're dealing with the EPA all the time there because in California, if, if you paint something, the air has to be cleaner when it leaves the building than it was when it came in. Right. So there's this massive, like just this enormous multi-million dollar furnace in the back of the building that just burns the shit out of everything. Right. And, um, and so we do a lot of stuff with the EPA. So I, the guy's name was Jeff Shook, and he was an engineer there at Fender for many years, still may be for, for all I know. But um, I remember sitting with him in the meeting, and I passed that folder across, and I said, well, I need to explain to you. <laughs> it was, he just, you know, to quote Donnie Wade, he's like, he looked at me like a chicken walking, watching a card trick. You know, I, I, he, he was like, What? You want me to do what? So I want you to get the EPA rep that comes over here and harasses the shit out of us. And I want to ask him if I can do anything about this. And he actually did it. He, wow. he, he helped me do it. And the guy said, yeah, no. <laughs> no, you can't do anything about it. <laughs> I can't help you. <laughs> so basically, I'm getting from you guys that Dumble was basically dock off back to the future. <laughs> yes. and, you know, I mean, in a lot of ways, yeah. In a know. lot of ways, big time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Misunderstood, but crazy, crazy intelligent and scientists and just a mad scientist and and and, and equally generous and gracious and human and considerate. I mean, a little, little diva those aspects of that character too. You know, yeah, yeah a bit of a diva. You know, little diva. It yeah. sounds like a lot of the stories you hear, and I'm sure it goes for a lot of people that have heard of Dumble. It's just, oh, yeah, he's that crazy amp guy without knowing. And it was so, it's so refreshing and so great to hear you guys talk about him on that level. And I heard Robin Ford say something on Facebook the other day. And it was just, you guys are all saying the same thing just how much of a lovable guy he was. Oh, yeah. Especially was. Impossible to not fall in love with him. If you, if you're, if you're, you know, you somehow ended up in this guitar thing that we ended up in uh and you meet a guy like him it's just you know it's instantaneous love because there's just it's the love of the craft the authenticity the excellence um you know and and you know those people you know they're typically don't have just really normal profiles they're they're you know they're interesting Wow. <laughs> to say the least wow. wow thank you richard man you, you wow. know for, for leading this off again our, our whole point is to kind of give him you know the the, the three-dimensionality of the human that, that we knew you know from the from the mythology of what mm. surrounds well, us well said and, and now that we kind of have free reign because we can we can actually talk about things that we we didn't because we didn't want to either infringe on a privacy or, you know what I mean? Or an Oh yeah. Unless I was correcting somebody's misconception. Like if I heard somebody saying something that was just absolutely bullshit, yeah. I would say something. Otherwise, you know, I would come back from these meetings and, and typically accompanied by Larry. Again, I, I've got to tell you, man, Chris Fleming, Larry Thomas, these guys, these guys, they, 
you know, Chris had a long friendship with him. He would be a wonderful person to, if he felt like sharing. Uh, but, you know, a guy like Larry Thomas, maybe, maybe not, you know, uh, the most likely, you know, you think, oh, you know, the, the authentic, passionate, you know, guitar right. player. I'm, I'm telling you, man, it's like I, I watched it. And he was just, <laughs> he, was, he wasn't immune. He was not immune, and and I, I watched him fall in fall in love with this guy <laughs> and be frustrated by him and stuff too because he was trying to to make something special happen and and so was I. I just gave up a lot earlier because I I just figured there's just there's my friendship is actually really the gem here. So let's just move on, you know. But yeah, these guys, these th there's a bunch of people. Uh, in the whole industry, right? But um, specifically in in a, in in a specific season, because Fender wasn't the type of company that would embrace a, a guy like Alexander. They just weren't. It, it wasn't until this next gen, kind of like the spawn of Dan Smith, uh, all of us that that kind of rallied under and around Dan Smith and the and the uh, you know John Page and the original custom shop guys. That was really when Fender became. Uh, you know, self-aware enough to and cool enough to understand how extraordinary uh, Alexander was, and so that really started the the friendship with all the individuals in the company, uh, which I, I I believe that he sustained on, until you know until his passing. Wow! Wow! Well, thank you, Richard. Yep. Uh, yeah. Man, I'm so glad we reconnected and. I miss you, man. Soon, I've got a gig on the books. Of course, COVID keeps knocking it back, but I'll be there. Okay, I'll let you I'll know. I'll send you the new record. So stay yes. in touch. Okay, let's not let a couple years go by again. Okay. Thanks. Oh. And Troy, keep making those trailers, man. My kids, man, they just drive me nuts. They got. You know, I watched Ellen Canto like thirty-seven times. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Richard, when you get a chance, uh, send us a picture of your your Dumble. Oh, we'll do. Absolutely, that's. Uh, absolute privilege yeah i will man thank you again and i'm so glad you're you're still you're just kicking ass in every way i can't wait to check out your book and thanks for sharing man this is really cool thank you so much Troy. i'll talk to you guys soon all right thank you richard Later, Bye. Man.